0: Hello and welcome to this next episode of 49 Plus. And it seems that I've got out of the habit of these. So it's been some time since the last one and a bit of time before that. So I'm attempting just to get back into the swing of things, maybe a short one, just to get us going. Uh, You may hear some traffic going past, so I'm in the car. Um, I've just pulled over to start this and then I need to get going. So I'm going to now pull out into traffic. So I'm on the way driving to High Wycombe. Which again, is not as regular a current as it had been in the past. At least not, obviously not pre-COVID. And we're still mid-COVID. I guess we're hoping towards the tail end. So we're about to hear sometimes, in theory, when the process of easing lockdown, um, as in, I think, May the 17th. So the date today actually now is June the 9th. Is that right? So we're still ahead of the hoped for easing of restrictions fully on the 21st of June. There's now talk that that might get put back a couple of weeks. Um, various variants on the loose. So we're kind of, if anything, starting to see a slight, you know, big drop in numbers at the end of wave two, in lockdown two. And not surprisingly, with things like this, we've seen a slight increase. So it all depends on how much that increase goes up, it's whether or not they'll delay that final easing and so on. And there's big, big discourse, as it were, in the media about travel, international travel. With the traffic light system, green being the, route that the list of countries that you know it's okay to travel to, and there's no restriction basically. Um, which is a very short list of countries. Most notably, up until very recently, uh, green um, Portugal was on the green list. There are people going there on holiday, and then that's now moved to amber. So that caused a bit of concern. Many many countries are on the amber list. Um, then, of course, there's some countries on the red list. So, Amber's one of probably of interest, given that that would be a lot of, say, European countries. And I'm saying all this, not so much specific in terms of just general news. You can check in for the news for all that stuff. But um, in terms of the Smith family, Smith family Robinson. That's a Swiss family Robinson, wasn't it? Um, Northwood family Smith is that um, we, uh, as it stands, have holiday booked in Spain in August. So this is something that Rachel booked back in January at a time when um, it was, you know, assumed, expected that by August things would be more opened up and travel would indeed be allowed, if not encouraged. Uh, That's now, well, the moment the message for the Amber Lists seemed to be but whilst you're allowed to go, yet there'll be quarantine expectations on the way back, but not in the same way as if you're on the red list. You know, the idea would be that you are allowed to travel, but then they are increasingly saying that that shouldn't be for holidays; it should be for essential travel, um, which was unclear initially. So some people do holidays. So we still have that holiday booked. I think, and, and it is several bookings actually. And Rachel's and all this stuff; that she's done it all. Compile a little holiday that would take us to a few little places in Spain. Um, I would say at the moment, as about a week or two ago, I was still thinking, well, it's on the Amber List, but we can still go, we can do that, we can quarantine a little bit when we get back, we can manage to do and work from home. Um, increasingly, at the moment, we're looking more and more discouraged to do that, so I can anticipate that not happening. Maybe one possibility is we'll say, yeah, like with other holidays, is, put it back a year put it back until next year um, do something else in August in the UK but I guess the next week or so will tell us more about that because that's when I think there's going to be more of these kinds of announcements and the look at the data and so on and so on and so on so we shall see so that's where we are in terms of that side of things I should also probably close a few loops up to a point with a couple of other messages that were in earlier episodes so, one is the application for associate professor. So, I would have been musing about this in terms of referees and personal statements, perhaps, early May. So, good, we now in early June. The deadline for that was the 28th of May. So, now, almost a couple of weeks ago. I managed to get that in just ahead of, well, on the deadline. In fact, it was one minute to 6 p.m., on Friday, the 28th of May, when I emailed to my line manager all the documents needed, which was a personal statement, um, an academic CV, um, and my my um, a self assessment against what's called the Bucks academic framework. So, just to get which thing it took a lot of time. You're mapping out various things, and that was anyway. All all got done, and alongside that, and then there was also one question over how many. Um, how many um, referee or who to have the referee first of all internally and externally and even that came on to all how many because there's a possibility we could have more than one or, or name more than one that was the route i went down eventually i ended up listing three internal referees and three external referees so at least that way they can pick and choose who they want to pick for a referee i was only required to put one name for each so internally I put down um, somebody who is professor and director of a newly informed institute for health and social care. So strategically, that quite a good one to have down because we're planning some work collaboratively there. Um, similarly, another person who's an associate professor and an associate head of school um, of nursing, and she's somebody who's also one of the students on the map. And again, we're doing some work with her in terms of strength scopes, so and that could be strategically quite good, and alongside that, um, Piers, Piersworth, is my long-standing colleague, and um, he is now a visiting professor, but we thought he would counsel as an internal referee, and in fact, a, a testimonial from him, he was quite keen to write anyway, so we wrote that and I submit it alongside the application. So they go with that one as my internal referee, or they may seek another one, which is fine. And similarly, for, th- for the external referees, I listed three people, one or uh, well, two of whom are professors, one of whom isn't a professor, but she is very, I would say, a big hitter in the world of positive psychology and internationally. She's based in Iceland. We have links with the University of Iceland, partly through the link with her. Um, and she's also heavily involved with the European Network for Positive Psychology as well as the International Positive Psychology Association, and she was willing to write a, re- be a referee, so that was good. Um, that was excellent, and um, then also alongside that, because she wasn't a professor, and so that could be helpful, I went along with two other academics, one of whom was um, formerly the head of department at the Department of Psychology at Regents University in London, where I was a, a visiting lecturer some years ago, and I've maintained contact there. He was very keen, to, very willing to be a referee. Um, and another professor is uh, someone again we did, we've done some collaborative work with on and off over the years. He is now, I think he described himself as head of a center for employee engagement. But What I liked about him, A, he's professor and B, he's linked with Oxford University. So um, again, and he's not a, not a psychologist. I can imagine you might say interesting things as a referee, but who knows? Again, willing to referee, so I've now got three potentially named referees there. So they all went in, along with my personal statement, which I thing I took a lot of time on, nine pages of making the case of things I had been doing and also what I was doing now and planning to do, and how all that would work. Um, and that's something uh, that's now in. So that was one closing the loop. So I don't know the outcome of that yet. That will be likely to be early July I will need to look again at the process but the idea was I think during June is that it's all paper-based there's no interview on the paper they'll either decide whether you meet the criteria or not and then if not well we shall see we'll see what happens so I shall update you there's more to say about that one and then the other um, update so this is probably a a module there's probably uh, an episode I'll call uh, updates this is a way of getting back in, um, back into the system of recording something, was on positive education. So I would have been talking a bit about possibilities over positive education. Um, now, whether or not I said a little bit about what was possibly emerging, which was the opportunity to put together a module, which would be, for those interested, it's 30-credit module, postgraduate module. There'll be a module that at this stage will be offered across two programmes. So neither of them being in the MAP, MSc Applied Positive Psychology. There'll be more ones that are based around education. So the one that's most linked to the MAP is the MSc in Mental Health and Wellbeing in Education. So that's an existing course which is uh, already attracts a good number of students. But they're doing some rejigging of that, some reworking of modules. And this new module would replace really a couple of other modules in some respect. They'd be moved around a little bit and it would be set as a first year module across the whole year of that MSc and it would also be a module offered as part of the as a a specialist pathway module so it's an option kind of pathway option on the MA education again an existing programme which is offered primarily I would say to people who are working either as teachers or maybe senior leadership type roles, but in education and maybe just to do a master's course. So the idea is this module is offered across, across both of them. Um, the actual title of the module, as it was finally agreed upon, and has subsequently been submitted in terms of for approval to a particular panel, and that panel has spoken and I believe approved it, so that's the kind of closing of the loop there, is so the full title is, it's the longest title, Promoting Wellbeing through positive education and evidence-based interventions. So the evidence-based interventions comes from it replacing a particular module that currently sits with on the MSc Mental Health and Wellbeing Education, but it hasn't worked brilliantly and it needed a bit of rethinking, you know, and OE has a little bit of positive education in there, but this is kind of really putting it to the fore. So the idea would be it's, it's 30 credits, so it's running across it, both semesters, over over a full year. Um, it it's in the first year of those, both those programmes, and depending on what the other modules they do alongside that, they're either doing the MA education, or they may do an MSC in mental health and wellbeing education. But the idea being, if they took this module, this optional module on their pathway in the MA education, they're effectively doing an MA in positive education. Or an MA education in brackets positive education we're hoping then that can eventually be billed as an MA in positive education And the reason why I say all this is because I believe there aren't anything there is anything else like that in the world I think it could be really quite popular because there's no other place which you can do this effectively Um, so we shall see so the next step now is really about marketing it getting see if we can get people interested in either of those two programs, particularly MA Education, because say, the other MSc does already get interest. Um, so it does mean the module, I think, will run no matter what, but we'd like to get more people doing it on the MA Education. So I think it needs a little bit of advertising, promoting and so on, so that will happen, well, that will start, the conversation will start next week and over the course of June, I hope, we'd we'll get something more out there, telling more people about it. Um, and then in due course, that will be need to be delivered so that will frame chunk of my teaching, I think, this next year, um, because new module, and it may, you know, I'm quite excited about the possibility of sort of building up a bit of a team to work on that and contribute to it, both people across within the university as well as maybe some external folks, and a bit more of an energy behind that, as opposed to continuing on the map, which I will do anyway, no doubt. I'll be needed and used there in different ways, as and when. Although I think I could probably reduce some of that a little bit, no doubt still contributing to things like marking and so on and so forth. We we get to find out how it works in practice, but quite exciting as a possibility. And for what it's worth, there's a very final bit out of the blue. This is completely apropos, nothing else spoken about on the, on the podcast. But just before recording this episode, got a call from Rachel, just saying news is um, I was speaking to the new founder and CEO of Zampatini Skincare Limited. So this is a new company being formed by Rachel in collaboration with Scott, but Rachel is the primary shareholder and sole director, I think at the moment. Um, but it's, it's a new thing where for the last year or so, actually, if not more, talk about um, developing some, I said, particularly hand wash and hand cream products um, I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure if it will. St- I don't think it'll sit there's a link to Cornwall brand. I think it's something new, so that's quite exciting. Actually, very, very exciting actually, um, because that will be something which will hopefully, um, yeah, ener- energise Rachel in the coming weeks and months and years. So we'll see how that develops. Um, and already, today on the way to go pick up some samples of bean produced by the people that the company or the yeah the organization the company that we be manufacturing some of this which is a a company based in italy which is already producing some of the material for cornwall brands but now they're moving into stuff away from hair products to stuff which you know, again it's very very exciting and, a, and an organization a company that has lots of ethical ethos which is very important um so yeah so more more news on that in due course so one of the initial um, products is something called trotters and hooves but likely will be first perhaps marketed in Italy um, and I think it's Zampetti e Zoccoli is what that would be in, or um, well, Zoccoli e Zampetti, I can't remember, in Italian. So it's quite nice, that, uh, Zampettini by the way I think means tiny, tiny paws in Italian. All very good stuff. Okay, almost getting close to university so I shall stop this now anyway. And that will be your updates. And at the moment, hopefully, I may do some. Well, hopefully, it'll be, be a little bit more regular than it has been. I'm not saying go back to the way it was in terms of daily. Um, we'll see as and when I opportunity, either in the car to be talking or on dog walks, and also when the mood takes me. So on that note, hope have a nice day. Today's a lovely, sunshiny day here. I think it's across most of um, the university and the most of the UK. And um, and yes, yeah, so have a lovely day wherever and whenever you are. Take a few moments, maybe, sort of, just hit the button to stop. There we go. Seventy minutes. That'll do for me. Bye bye.